Thank you for tuning in to the 112th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane, as always. December 25th, Christmas Day. I hope everybody's having a great day with their loved ones and their family. It's truly a blessed time. Uh, As Drake would say, it's a time to be alive. Uh, Christmas for me is not necessarily as grand as it once was. You wake up, uh, you always try to see if Santa Claus came and got the gifts, and now when you wake up, you see no gifts, and then you realize grandpa gave you a hundred bucks, grandma gave you five dollars, the other grandma gave you a hug and a kiss, and mom and dad said thank you, be thankful for what you have, and where's my present? So it just puts things in perspective. Uh, don't get all the toys, write all the video games, but uh, great time to be with family, uh, be with friends, truly a blessing. Not everybody gets uh, the opportunity to have a great holidays, so appreciate the time you spend with your loved ones. I guess that's the main thing I want to say to everybody. Uh, gonna be a little shorter of a podcast today. Uh, this was a pre-recorded episode when I was still at John Carroll with my man, Jason Cavari. Um, we did an NBA history and we did it on NBA free agency. So we talk about free agency from Shaq leaving the Orlando Magic, LeBron leaving the Cleveland Cavaliers to go to the Heat, Kevin Durant changing the game and going to the Golden State Warriors. Uh, so we mentioned all that, probably about 35, 40 minutes, uh, just a casual listen for everybody, uh, So sit back, enjoy it, and everybody have a great Christmas. Kavari, a.k.a. the Youngstown Beast on the show. How you doing, Jason? Pretty great, man. Nice to be back. See, we're, now we're going to do a little bit of hockey history. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. No hockey Another sport, not history. <laughs> NBA history. We're going to talk about uh, NBA free agency. Now, Jason, just talk about it. Just delve uh, deeper into that. So I figured what we could do is actually go into the history of free agency as a whole. Because one of the things that surprises me is how people don't know the history behind free agency in the NBA. So the first thing we got to look at is we got to go way back to about 1988. And we got to realize through the first 30, 40 some years of the NBA, unrestricted free agency wasn't a thing. Players couldn't walk. The most you could do was if you got an offer, another team could match that, basically restricted free agency. If they matched the offer, they would get you back. So players couldn't move. There wasn't a lot of movement. Players weren't free to make choices. The only way you'd really be able to move is if you were bad, if you weren't worth the contract, you could go find a new one, or if you got traded. So that restricted a lot of the free choice by the players. Now in April of 1988, there was a lot of discussion and the new CBA got drafted which eventually put in a new rule as far as the free agency. Now what this CBA did was it said that if you've played seven years and you've had two contracts already, 
you would be eligible for unrestricted free agency. So this is where we saw our first unrestricted free agent, Tom Chambers, a forward with Seattle. Very crowded front court. They just lost in the first round that year. He averaged 20 points a game. Was an all-star level player. Really good player. Just was in a log jam in that front court. Couldn't find time. And there was a bit of like rumors that he might be traded or they wouldn't pay him enough. So he's like, all right, I'll go to Phoenix. And Phoenix was actually the, uh, the first to come. Colangelo, when he was the owner, he came and made an offer of five years and $9 million. And Tom Chambers became the first unrestricted free agent to make his choice of where he wanted to go, sign there, and leave. Then the next big one, I think the one that set the stage for the 2000s, obviously, is Shaq in 96. So what really happened here is that Orlando lowballed him. They were originally offering him four years, $80 million, which was big at the time. But just at that time when they were discussing that contract, Alonzo Mourning happened to sign with the Heat for $115 million. Shaq demands $150 million from Orlando, and they tell him they gotta wait on that. They gotta take a few days to see what they think. Now we also gotta look at that time period at Shaq. He was such a dominant player in that time. He was three, four years in the league. The man was absolutely incredible. On top of the world in the NBA, this man was spectacular. So to deny him, to lowball him, was absolutely ridiculous. Just an asinine move on the part of the Magic. Unfortunately, after they took some time to think about it, they still lowballed him, didn't offer him anything close to that contract. They stuck closer in the, uh, that 80 million range or in the 90s. So the Lakers called him up. They offered a seven-year, $120 million contract, and that's where Shaq went. That was the beginning of big unrestricted free agency with the huge contracts. Now, just let's talk about the impact of that now that you see, because you have a top five player in the league at the time, mm. uh, in his first four years, right? Was this in his first, oh, his yeah. first four years? Oh, yeah. That leaves to a team that went to the finals. He went to the finals with the Magic, uh, and then he just leaves to Los Angeles. That kind of set up, too, like, you know, star players leaving for bigger markets, more money, more shine. And obviously, he had much more success in Los Angeles. So just talk about that, how that's staged up for a guy like LeBron to leave, when we see guys like Kevin Durant leave. Hmm. Well, everyone brings up LeBron, and that is, you know, rightfully so. That was a huge decision which had vast impacts on the NBA landscape. But what we really have to look at is that first decision there that set the stage for everything to come after. You know, if it wasn't for Shaq, I don't know if some of these decisions would have happened as quickly. I mean, obviously LeBron was there, that happened. But you really have to look at that one as a huge change in the precedent because at the time, what was the feeling? What was the general feeling? If you're drafted somewhere, you stay there. You help that team become successful. You give everything you possibly can. And unless there's extreme circumstances, the feeling, you know, among the players, among the coaches, and that was the general atmosphere in the league, you don't leave. You stick with the team that you're drafted with, except in those extremely extenuating circumstances. And Shaq became the first player to say like, all right, I don't need the circumstances. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm gonna go to the situation that's best for me where they're offering me the best contract. Do you think, was there a salary cap? At the time, yeah, there was still a salary cap. That's part of the reason that it didn't work for Orlando to offer that much. And also why the Lakers couldn't offer 150 million like he originally demanded. The Lakers were just the ones to offer more. Could the Magic have offered more? Magic could not have offered more. They Well, they could have offered more than what they did. 
that's the thing, which was stupid of them to not. It wasn't like they couldn't afford to offer in the hundreds. They just chose not to. That's the issue. They lowballed him. Because then if you also look at this too, what year was this again when this happened? This was uh, 96. Okay, so 96, so if my math is correct. Kobe was a rookie in 96, so Kobe wasn't even Kobe yet. Mm. Uh, Penny Hardaway was already establishing himself as one of the best young uh, players in the league. They already went to the finals, and he still left not knowing what would happen in Los Angeles. Because he had no idea what Kobe would be when he kind of knew, right? Penny Hardaway is this young talent, and this was before Penny Hardaway started having injuries, and that derailed right. his career. But it just kind of puts the essence of, you know, you offer a player money, you sell them a vision. In the other small market, they don't do that. Management's not as good. They try to lowball, and then you see when players leave. Mm. Which was absolutely the issue with that. I mean, I, I really don't see why, if you're Orlando's management, you can't at least offer him the same thing that Alonzo Mourning got. You're really not going to offer your perennial all-NBA, all-world superstar at the time. You really can't give him $115 million. Like, I get that 150 might be a bit out of the question, but really, you can't match Alonzo Mourning's contract for a player that's way above his caliber? That's a ridiculous decision by the Magic, but, you know, one in a string of very idiotic decisions they've made over the years. And then also, too, when you look at that situation, it kind of goes to a... Uh... They haven't had that type of success since Shaq left, really. Not really. I no. mean, and Shaq's the best player in their franchise history. Mm. I would say it's not even close. They had that little run with Dwight Howard when they went to the finals. But besides that, it's been bad news bears for the Magic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they have not been good, and that kind of shows you're a small market. You need to keep your stars because you don't know when they're going to come back again. Exactly. Th there hasn't been another Shaq that's walked through that door. And the closest thing he did have to Shaq was Dwight, and then Dwight ended up leaving. Now, just kind of go on how that Shaq uh, leaving Orlando to go to uh, Los Angeles kind of affects free agency next. So what that did, like we already discussed, it kind of put the seed into play that maybe it's okay for the player to have a little more power. I think this is where it really started. Like this, I do feel like it was a part in LeBron's decision that, yeah, it's okay for me to take my future into my own hands, even though I have millions of fans, I've got management, I've got owners, I've got all these expectations that, yeah, you stay where you got drafted and you turn that team into a contender and you stick with them and you keep signing with them if you don't have an extenuating circumstance. Shaq's decision, decision there showed you don't have to do that. You can do what's best for you. And LeBron took that a step further, I think, obviously. That's the big one that everyone references when they look at that. But Shaq's decision sowed the seeds for LeBron being able to make his decision and influence the landscape of the NBA as far as player empowerment, which we see today. Now we talk about LeBron James. 2010, the decision, an, inf an infamous night. You probably know what you were doing. Do you know what you were doing during that night, Jason? What were you doing? Honestly, I was sitting there. We were watching. I was watching with my dad. Okay. I remember my dad being absolutely Furious, almost in tears. He turned the TV off right away. As soon as he got up and said, I'm taking my talents to South Beach, my dad turned up the TV, just walked out of the room, didn't say a word. Did not say a word. I just remember sitting there like, wow. I remember I was he in my really left. I remember I was in my living room and I was like, damn, he's really leaving Cleveland. Yeah. Then Sports Center comes on after and his jerseys, his jerseys are getting burned. And I was like, okay, okay. Something that really changed the wave and uh even to go back to my dad always tells me this. 
when he saw LeBron take off his shirt that last time in Cleveland after the loss. My dad was like, there's no way in hell he's coming back. He looks like he's done. That was after they were the one seed. They lose to the Celtics. Mm. My dad was like, he's done. And then LeBron ended up leaving Cleveland. Now, you just talk about that when you have that. And it kind of goes into Shaq's scenario. You have somebody at LeBron, MVP. He just won his uh, back-to-back MVP. Uh, arguably the best player in the NBA. Um, the team he lost to in the Celtics, uh, they ended up going to the finals, and they were a game seven away from beating the Lakers. So it wasn't like he lost to some no-name team, right? This team was obviously really, really good. You know, KG, Rondo, Paul Pierce, and we know how good they were in Boston. And he still leaves. Just just talk about how that kind of now sets the structure for when we look at bad management versus good management. What happened there? I think it was also bigger because of the situation and the buildup. You know, this is the hometown kid. This is the chosen one. This is the guy that's supposed to deliver. We are all witnesses. Yeah, <laughs> that had been ripped off for years. That had good teams in the '90s. You know, with Larry Nance, uh, Mark Price, all them had decent teams in the 70s, the Miracle of Richfield team. But they really had never had extended success. And LeBron was supposed to be the one to take him to the promised land. So you got to look at the effect that had on the fans, the team, the management, the owner, Gilbert, obviously promising a championship after LeBron leaves. But the fallout from that was much bigger because the expectations from the city, the fans, Everyone in general involved with that was so much bigger. They were so more, so much more invested in that decision. And that, I think, still, as far as we go, will be the most impactful decision because of everyone involved in that decision there. So I think it makes it easier for people who get drafted, for players who get drafted with the team, to look at their situation and be like, all right, this really isn't as bad as LeBron's was. I don't have as many people counting on me expecting me to deliver, it's okay if I make this decision for me because I want to move somewhere, play where I want to play, get paid the money that I deserve. LeBron did it. I can do it. And then also, too, at that time frame, you really started hearing a lot of rumblings after that about players wanting out in terms of trades, like Mm. Chris Paul reportedly wants out of New Orleans. Now Dwight Howard reportedly wants out of Orlando. Carmelo Anthony reportedly wants out of Denver. You start hearing, you know, these, these little things, and then all those players ended up leaving. They go to different places. They all had various uh, differences of success, but then you start seeing them like, okay, we're giving you a heads up. LeBron didn't give you a heads up. LeBron just upped and left. He just upped and left, and then Cleveland was in shambles. Now, just talk about that, how that affects other guys now saying, like you said, we can leave, and it's not as bad as what LeBron did. Absolutely, and it's turned it into an, uh, an era of player empowerment, which I personally support. You know, if a player wants to play somewhere after they've fulfilled their contractual obligations, sure, that's their choice. The owners shouldn't be locking them up. The, uh, the atmosphere and the expectations of other players, coaches, management, shouldn't be locking players into a situation where they don't want to be. If you play through your contract, that's your choice. Do you think, and it's also interesting too when we look at this, right? So, look back. Shaq ended up making the right choice, mm-hmm. won three rings. Yeah. LeBron ended up making the right choice, won two rings, went to four straight finals. So, you think it airs on the side? You probably should leave your team. It's probably, you're probably not going to have the optimized success if you stay with the franchise one year. For, for, your whole career, for your whole career. Not unless 
you're like a Kobe and you're in Los Angeles when you know you know what they're about the type of organization or a Tim Duncan that's in San Antonio but if you go to some small market teams with cheap owners people general managers that aren't as smart or well versed in basketball that at some point you will have to leave I wouldn't say necessarily with those few cases there, you know, that it doesn't dictate that you have to leave. If you like your situation, you know, you stay there. It doesn't matter if it's a big market uh, team there. Like, look at Dirk Nowitzki. Dallas isn't necessarily the biggest market. It's a big market still, not as big as, like, a New York or an L.A. But he stayed there his full career because management was doing well. Cuban's a good owner. They put teams around him. He had success. So if you can have success with a well-run medium to small market organization and you enjoy being there, why leave? Again, player empowerment, it's the player's choice. I mean, in terms of, let's say, when a star leaves, like let's say Shaq, LeBron, and Kevin Durant, I would say when you look back, all of them ended up making the right decision. Right? Mm. At the end of the day, whether they were hated, I think in terms of having winning success, team success, how we now look at their legacies, and it ended up being the right decision, right? So I guess in terms of that's what I mean when a player decides that maybe I do need to leave. They probably do need to leave. Well, we never know until uh, afterwards. You know, look at Melo. Did he make the right decision to leave the Nuggets? I personally don't think so. He ended up in New York. He bombed his reputation. He's been all over the league since. You never know. Hindsight's twenty twenty. We can look at all these guys after they've made the decision. Several years down the line, we can say, yeah, they made the right decision, they made the wrong decision, but we don't know until several years after the fact. Now, where do we go next after LeBron? After LeBron, I think the biggest one we look at next is Kevin Durant with the big fallout of that because that became the next step. And that takes it to a whole nother level. Oh, yeah. As if we thought LeBron's decision wasn't bad enough. This is one that I'm obviously on the record as hating. I think it was terrible. And also, really quickly, you know Kevin Durant uh, subtweeted LeBron James when the decision happened. He was like, you know, you still happen to staying with your team and dying with the cause. Really? Yes, he tweeted wow. that out. Look, is there any loyalty anymore? He said something like that. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> it's like Kevin Durant one-upped it. Wow. But he really did because what he did... I think, personally for me, I don't want to give too much of my own opinion, color with my bias, but you really went against everything I feel being a competitor is about. You were up 3-1, about to take down the Warriors with the team that you had, and you blew that. But it doesn't mean that you can't. You were right on the precipice of winning that series, of taking down that Warriors team. And what do you do? you really leave and you join them of any situation that was possible they discussed boston they discussed washington any other team like if you don't want to be in okc you don't want to deal with westbrook fine i get that he might be annoying to play with but you really went to golden state and this was the view i think of a lot of players a lot of coaches a lot of the media obviously was stephen a one big example everyone looked at him as really you chickened out you did the wrong thing in the spirit of athletic competition. You made the wrong choice. Now, just talk about how that affects everything. When you see, Lord have mercy, I mean, Kevin Durant, arguably one of the best players in the, one of the best players in the NBA, I mean, fabulous player, going to the Warriors, and then it just, it stacks the deck. 
for for a team to have dynastic success and the Warriors went to five straight NBA Finals. We haven't seen that since like the Celtics of the 60s. To just talk about that, how now that sets the stage for everything. So that situation, I think it's interesting because that itself is almost like a one-time thing. I don't really see this happening too much with four superstars of that level being able to get together again because of the cap, mainly. And somehow they were able to... And a lot of it, too. Steph Curry was getting paid like $10 million a year because of the ankle injuries. So the Warriors kind of because there was protection at that point. And Steph Curry at the time he signed the contract wasn't Steph Curry. Hmm. Like there were, you know, a lot of of things happened for Kevin Durant to be, and Kevin Durant still took less, I think. Like, so a lot of things ended up happening. Exactly. All this would need to happen for this situation to happen again with the four superstars. But what that did was it set a very dangerous precedent. Removing that spirit of competition, let's call it, open the doors for any player to stack the deck, to talk to a couple other all-stars, be like, all right, let's get together. If it's the three of us, say, we all fit under a contract and location X, this is pretty much a guaranteed championship or a ride to the finals every year so long as we're on that contract. And what happened next, the next important decision that happened to buck that trend was Kawhi going to the Clippers. Kawhi could have followed what KD did he could have formed a mega team with LeBron and AD with the Lakers. But Kawhi single-handedly restored the balance by sticking with that competitive spirit by going to the Clippers. So he didn't follow that precedent that KD set, which I think would have ruined the NBA again for another several years. Because who's going to beat a team with Kawhi, LeBron, and AD? As good as the Lakers are now, imagine adding Kawhi. And Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, and maybe Paul George like tries to figure out a way to get in there. They work with the contracts, or some other star wants to come and join. You know, obviously a lot of great role players are going to come to a situation like that. It's like a free ride to a ring. So Kawhi really saved the NBA as far as parity and the balance of power goes. Now, where I do want to go with Kawhi, and I think Kawhi is a little bit different, is because to me, what Kawhi really symbolized is now because before, like when we go back to Shaq. Shaq's team lost in the finals. You go to LeBron. LeBron's team, you know, they didn't make it to the finals that year. Kevin Durant, they didn't make it to the finals. Kawhi did the thing. He won the finals. He upended the Warriors dynasty. Toronto bent over backwards for him. They did everything they could. Toronto's a great city. Two hours from Buffalo. Very nice. International place. Toronto's a great, like a great, a great city and a great market. Uh, and he still left. He could have been king of a country. And he still left. And he won. And he still left. To me, not that it's almost worse, but to me that really shows there is nothing you can do. There is nothing you can do. If he doesn't want to be there, he's not going to be there. (laughs) He's not going to be there. Mm -hmm. That is true. But again, we're in the, uh, the era of player empowerment. The team can do anything, literally anything, like you said. And if the player doesn't want to be there, he's out. I do support what Kawhi did as much as I understand it's painful for the fans. He played through his contract, didn't demand a trade request, didn't make any noise, didn't cause any trouble. He won you a championship. He didn't want to be there. He won you a championship. True, but uh, but I think before always the argument was, if Kevin Durant won with Russell Westbrook that year, Kevin Durant stays. If LeBron James wins with Cleveland, he stays. Like, people are always like, there's no way he's going to leave. Like, it's like... Even when you talk about competitive league, like, who doesn't want to defend their crown? Like, you're the defending champions. It's like, okay, if you win it all, like, 
He has to stay, even for just one more year. Like people in Cleveland were like, let's say, you know, when LeBron left again, if LeBron beats the Warriors somehow, right, with J.R. Smith and a bag of chips, LeBron's going to stay. Like, like LeBron's going to stay, right? Like, he won, and then he left, and that's the first time that's ever happened. I, I think that's what it kind of showed. Mm. There is nothing you can do. He's not India. He's not India. <laughs> this is true. And that's the, uh, looks like, as of right now, the final development as of how far players will go in terms of free agency decisions, playing where they want to play. And you, you really hit the nail on the head. Like, you won a championship, had a whole country supporting him. And that still just wasn't what he wanted. Now, I do want to go back to Kevin Durant and the Warriors. Now, what do you think of the impact this has on? Because really with Draymond, Draymond was recruiting Kevin Durant the whole season. They lose, right, game seven to the Cavs, and Draymond Green's crying on the phone to Kevin Durant. Isn't that how that oh, yeah. ended up transpiring? Like, I need you, buddy. You're my guy. I need you. I need you. Just talk about that and then how that, because we saw kind of with Kawhi. Ka Kawhi was making moves with Paul George, and nobody knew it. Well, obviously they all talk. Yeah. I mean, this is how it works. The players will talk. They'll figure out where they want to play, how to get together, and how it's going to be most successful as far as them all figuring out which organization is going to be the host, where they're going to play, and how they could possibly figure it out, work it out, the best fit between themselves to guarantee success. I think that, again, that's just a one-time thing that happened there with Durant. So many things have to go right for you to have a team like that as far as like the superstar you're bringing in taking less, the superstars you already have, you have to have them drafted, like they have to be homegrown, you can't be bringing them in to have four at that level. Like there's a lot of contract finagling you have to do. It's very difficult. I don't think we'll ever see four again like that. And also when you look at this too, this kind of gets into, I think the one negative is, I think it gets into a lot of butt kissing of the superstar like yeah. Kawhi like, LeBron had to do everything Kawhi wanted to do. LeBron, when LeBron was in Cleveland, LeBron got to do whatever the hell he wanted to do. Kyrie Irving, right? I mean, they're already talking about mood swings again. Like, the Nets, like, Kyrie's going through, I don't even know what's going on with Kyrie right now, but it's just like, you have to consistently keep these guys happy. And if they're not happy, if they're not feeling it, like, you're screwed. Like, just talk about that. Like, there is no protection. There's no, you have no protection. What protection does a team have? They don't have anything. And that's the unfortunate thing, because as much as I support the player empowerment, the players having the choice, there has to be some protection for the team. And I don't care about the owners, okay? I care more about the fans, because I am a fan. I'm hurt when a star chooses to leave my team. You know, as much as I understand their decision after they play through the contract, and as much as I agree that, yeah, it's okay, I'm hurt by that. And it's even worse when in the middle of their contracts, they'll be doing stuff like that. That's what I don't support. When in a contract, a player will be demanding so much, will be throwing a fit. Like Anthony like, Davis. Yeah, or like the, the Kyrie situation with his moods. Like you're signed to a contract. You put your, <laughs> in a way, like you put your honor on the line by signing that contract. Your word as a, a trustworthy human being, and you can't honor that contract by playing it through. That's getting a bit ridiculous. Ricardo Irving after the 2017 finals. I'm playing with the best player in the NBA. Where else would I want to be? After they lost to the Warriors. Then Kyrie Irving last year. I'll stay with the guys in Boston if you'll have me. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, play through your contract at least. Like, and it's not like it was a bad situation. You're not on a team that's losing like 70 games 
and dealing with that. You just Kyrie as a whole makes me mad. And that's a whole different discussion for another day with all his antics and all the mess he brings to every team. But the one thing I do want to bring up on that, again, part of a bigger discussion for another day, I wonder what was going on in Cleveland that never really came out. Like, we hear all these reports about what's happened in Boston, about uh, what's happening now in Brooklyn. What was going on in Cleveland? Oh, when he left the first time? His mood swings, his antics. We didn't really hear much about that. I know towards the end we would hear that he wouldn't really talk to his teammates for like weeks at a time, and we were starting to see that he was kind of like off. But what was happening all these years before? What was happening at Duke? Where did this like? Where did it all start? That's what I wonder. Kyrie's a weird guy. But my last question: Is there any going back in terms of like the precedent, the precedent that has been set? Is there any going back, or is this now NBA free agency? This is the way it is, and the only time we're going to see differences is when a player goes back on the precedent that has been set. The most recent one, obviously, being KD, walking competitive spirit, competitive spirit, going to the Warriors, and Kawhi deciding, all right, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to preserve uh, competitive parity in the NBA by going to the Clippers. So unless we see players decide this is not, this isn't the NBA I want to be playing in. Someone will set a precedent, the rest of the NBA will follow. Now, I know this has never happened, but like the NBA, they tried to use a supermax to get players to stay. How about you just have a franchise tag? Go NFL style, have a franchise tag. That, I don't think the players would go for that. I really don't. LeBron would be like, what the? Yeah. <laughs> LeBron would be like, huh? Can you imagine trying to negotiate for that and how much freedom that takes away from the players? It's an interesting idea. Maybe. I just don't think the players would go for it, though. I think they would flip. Yeah, there would be. Yeah. There would be riots. That that oh, would yeah. that would not. I could just imagine LeBron being like, huh, huh. Kawhi being like, what? KK be like, huh? Kyrie's like, I can't just say random stuff on Twitter now. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's almost like asking for a twenty-game season to bring that up. Like, you want to talk about a lockout? Yeah, wait to bring the uh, franchise tags up in the NBA. I would not. That's when they leave the negotiating. I'm like, okay, <laughs> talk to us when you're being serious. <laughs> Everyone goes over to play in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that would. That, that's a possibility if that was ever to be broached. Jason, thank you. NBA history with Jason Cavari. And like I said, everybody, have a happy and blessed. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and all your families. And thank you for tuning into this episode, the 112th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. <laughs>